we are Tim and Michelle Hill with Connect Over Coffee, and this is Midlife Realigned. A series of conversations about navigating all the things midlife, helping you live a meaningful second half. We are switching topics up this week, and I feel like that moment when someone looks at you with a serious face and says, we need to talk. Because you know that that is not going to be a good conversation. It's going to be one that you probably would rather not have. And this feels like one of those topics because no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to experience it, but we all do. It affects every single one of us. And the scary mystery topic is grief. Grief. Many of the things that commonly happen in midlife cause grief. Sometimes it's the grief that we typically think about. Big event grief. Uh, We use weather before as a stress analogy, so let's use that again. It can be a tornado or a hurricane type grief. You may have some warning, or maybe you don't, but something happens that changes everything. There was an accident, a friend died, your parent passed away, or another family member passed away. One moment life is normal, and the next we experience loss of someone close, and everything is forever changed. We know about that kind of grief. It's ridiculously hard, but we understand the concept of that kind of loss. I think that midlife is maybe more full of those moments than other life stages. Often we lose our parents in this phase of life, or we start to lose friends who we feel like didn't get to live as long as they should have. It's one of the common experiences that prompts us to re-examine our own lives and our own priorities and our own mortality. But there are other kinds of grief, ones that we don't think about. When we hear the word grief, ones that we don't even recognize as grief. Before we get to midlife issues, let's talk about a basic understanding of what grief is. That's a good plan. So a pretty simple explanation is that grief is the reaction that you have to a loss in your life. So that loss could be a life, like we mentioned, or it could be something very different. We lose lots of things in life from an accidental loss of something physical that you care about, like losing your wedding ring to something more complex, like losing a limb or losing your mobility because of an accident. We lose jobs, we lose marriages, we lose dreams, we lose opportunities. So grief is just simply our reaction to that loss. There are different types of grief. There's what we call normal grief, which is a terrible name because there's really no set guidelines to define normal grief in terms of how long or how difficult it is. You can think of normal grief as any response that seems like what you might predict grief to look like. It's what would fall under the big umbrella of a predictable response to loss. Many people define normal grief as the ability to move towards acceptance of the loss and a gradual decrease in the intensity of emotions. So we accept this new reality without the thing that we lost and the intensity of our emotions decrease. Those who experience normal grief are able to continue to function in their basic daily activities. It's not that it's not difficult or not hard to deal with, but it doesn't completely derail you. Right. And I think it's important too that to realize that everyone grieves at a different pace. One person can seem to go through it really fast. Another person may spend more time in each phase or in a particular phase. Either way, it's the right way for them. There's no cookie cutter pattern for grief. True. And it's interesting that all of those things fall under that big umbrella of normal grief. That's why kind of normal is a difficult uh, term for people who aren't 
dealing with this in a clinical way, because when we look at it through our lens of our experiences, there's no, quote, normal grief, but it's that over umbrella for all of the ways that you might think of as kind of a standard or predictable sequence of grief. Right. So another type of grief is anticipatory grief. And this could be when someone's very ill and you know they're not going to live much longer. You might experience grief before they're actually gone. And that can make it hard to talk about with others because the person is still really actually there. And it can bring up guilt and confusion about you experiencing grief when the loss hasn't exactly happened yet. And it can happen over more than just someone's end of life. You could experience anticipatory grief about a marriage disintegrating or an upcoming job loss. You know, that's true. I felt the anticipatory grief when at the beginning of COVID, our entire sales force was pulled off the road. It was a very uncertain time. We still had our jobs, but we were not doing our normal jobs and sales were plummeting and they were plummeting fast. This was happening to the entire promo industry. And I started to wonder, what would that mean? How long can this last? What's going to happen if this would be detrimental to my job and my friends' jobs across the industry? I started believing that my job would end, and I started being sad. I started wondering what it'd be like when that's over. How would my life change without a job? The job I've had for over 30 years, I I felt really... uh, unnerved and just worried about all of that, you know, and I started grieving. I really did. I anticipated the death of my job and how it would affect me and those that I I cared about. I was grieving in advance. You were. You saw, like, saw the writing on the wall before most of your coworkers did, I think. And you saw a lot of the ramifications of the what the pandemic would cause in that industry that others didn't see or weren't wanting to admit. And I think you did start grieving that loss beforehand. I think it also may have prepared you a little bit for when it actually happened because you'd already proceeded through part of that process. And so you went through, after you actually lost your job, you went through that process more quickly maybe than others. Yeah, I think I did progress because I had maybe a jump start. So maybe in a weird way, that was a, a good thing that I was anticipating that. So when it did happen... I had already been through some of the steps. I was prepared. It wasn't as drastic shock to me as it was to other people. Other people stayed, friends of mine stayed in the denial first phase for a long time. They just stayed there and didn't think, well, it'll be fine next week. Next week, it'll be fine. This isn't really happening. And I think it was harder for them when it did happen. It was a bigger shock. And then they moved into the anger phase. You know, like I said, I had already been through some of that and was able to to process it and move forward quicker, I think. Another type of grief is delayed grief. That's when your reactions and emotions in response to a loss come later. Maybe you don't react initially, but something else happens and it can completely be unrelated, but it triggers your grief. Your reaction can feel excessive to the current situation, to others and, and even yourself. And it may be hard to understand that the real reason for your response is delayed grief. I went through this when my grandmother died. I was in high school. I was like 16 years old and we were about to leave on a family trip out West for a month. And we delayed it for a few weeks because she was in the hospital and she never came home. Now I loved my grandmother dearly, but I remember feeling sort of detached from the loss and I didn't really cry or feel how I expected it to feel at the time of her death. And I did experience some guilt about that. Like what's wrong with me? I, of course I'm sad, but why don't I feel sad? A few years later, my grandfather gave me a diamond necklace that was hers. He had given it to her on their 25th wedding anniversary shortly after I was born. 
And she said when she got it that she never needed another piece of jewelry ever again. And I was her first granddaughter and she wanted me to have it. Now I knew that she wore that necklace every day. I never saw her without it, but I didn't know anything about the story. I had no idea that she wanted me to have it. So when he gave it to me, that was my trigger. And I cried for like three days straight. It seemed that somehow that unlocked the emotion that went with the grief that I didn't actually express at the time of her death. Hmm. I could see that happening in a, in a lot of different ways. I've seen it happen with a lot of different friends that they seem like it's an overreaction to something, but it's really an appropriate reaction that they didn't have at the time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why I wasn't able to go through that process when I was 16. But later, I think it was when I was leaving for college that he gave that to me. And at that point, then I went through it. I don't know why, just that's how it happened. And I always wondered about it. And this gives a name to that, that it's a, it's a legitimate phenomenon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's outside those umbrella of normal, but it was a legitimate response. And it was just a way, the way that I processed her death. So yeah. another kind of grief is called complicated grief. And it's, you guessed it, complicated. It's really normal grief that becomes severe in longevity. So it's, it's longer and it significantly impairs your ability to function. It can be difficult to judge when grief has lasted too long, remember, because like we said, normal is really a huge category and there's a lot of uh, circumstances that can lead into that. There's other things to consider in diagnosing complicated or prolonged grief, and that includes looking at the kind of loss or death that took place. Questions like, was it sudden or violent or involved multiple losses? Some warning signs of complicated grief include self-destructive behavior, deep and persistent feelings of guilt, low self-esteem, suicidal thoughts, violent outbursts, or radical lifestyle changes. Another one that's interesting is disenfranchised grief, or sometimes it's called ambiguous grief. And now we're in the categories of grief that most people don't think about, don't talk about, don't recognize in themselves. So disenfranchised grief can happen when a culture, a society, or a support group makes you feel like your loss or grief isn't legit. It's not valid for you to feel that way. Your feelings about the loss that you experienced aren't significant. So that can happen because people don't understand the importance of the loss to you, or they might minimize the significance of the loss in general. And disenfranchised grief can occur when the death is stigmatized. So something happens like suicide or an overdose or a drunk driving accident. It can happen if the relationship is viewed as insignificant by others. So a coworker, you didn't know them that well. Why are you experiencing this, this strong a reaction? or like a pet or an ex-spouse or a miscarriage. That's one that I experienced. People don't legitimately feel like that's a loss and it totally is, but it's looked at from the outside differently. It can happen when the relationship is stigmatized by a culture. So for example, a same-sex partner, a gang member, or a partner from an extramarital affair can also happen when the loss isn't really a death. So someone's there physically, but there's this critical gap somehow, like you might have in someone with dementia or traumatic brain injury or mental illness or substance abuse when the person is actually there, but they aren't really present in some important way. Chronic grief, traumatic grief, exaggerated grief, distorted grief are all types of grief resulting in extreme, intense, or atypical reactions to a loss. 
These types of grief experiences impair a person's normal functioning. Abbreviated, masked, absent, or inhibited grief are types of grief where the feelings and experience of grief are suppressed in various ways, maybe on purpose, maybe not. The important thing to understand about these categories is just because someone may not look like they're grieving doesn't mean they aren't grieving. That was like you just gave eight more categories in those couple sentences. Like there's so many. Like I think one of the reasons why why this is important to talk about is because people tend to think of grief in, in one or two ways. And there's anywhere from I read five categories to like 20 different categories of kinds of grief that we experience and it's bigger subjects than what most people think it's bigger and deeper and deeper yeah and not and it's not just like you have one of these categories you can be experiencing going through a couple different ones at the same time as well grief is such a hard thing to go through and it's it is like you said people don't realize there's so many levels to it that just because someone's not grieving like you grieve you think that that either A, you're doing it wrong, or B, they're doing it wrong, and you're just like, there's no right way, but people just think, why ain't he over that by now? Or, you know, my sister grieves totally different about the loss of our parents than I did, and and that's okay. Um, Sometimes I don't understand what she's going through. I'm sure she looks at the way I do it. She doesn't get it, but it's, it's what we need to go through to get through it that's important. That leads perfectly into the next type. There's a few more types of grief that probably would be really helpful for us to understand in relationship to midlife, especially. One of those is um, cumulative grief, and that can occur when multiple losses are experienced, often within a short period of time. Cumulative grief can be exceptionally stressful because you don't have time to properly grieve one loss before you, you are hit experiencing the next loss. It might be the loss of both parents in a single year or a job loss, divorce, and a move across the country all in the same year. Sometimes you find this referred to as bereavement overload or grief overload. I have a friend who posted this morning right before I saw it, right before we did this, that she's lost five family members in the last six months. And she was just announcing that this the most recent five family members in six months. Now, if that's not cumulative grief example, I've never heard one. I mean, the, and it's not just with death. I like that you said the idea of a job loss, a divorce, and a move across the country, because those things kind of often could go together. Or even if it's not job loss, maybe it's income loss and a divorce and a move to even if it's a different town or something like I can relate to a lot of those (laughs) yeah right I mean we experience all of those as loss and it's this accumulation of I should be handling this better all I you know it's just a divorce well it's more than that and and not only for these cumulative reasons this then the next thing that we wanted to talk about is that there are secondary losses in grief that are also extremely common and we can get blindsided by them because we don't think about them. And those can become cumulative. They can build up on top of each other. Secondary loss is something that's felt after the primary loss and it can affect multiple areas of your life. So for example, someone dies and that has other impacts on your life beyond the loss of the person. It seems really complicated. So let's give some examples. The easiest kind of secondary grief to understand is the loss of concrete things. So someone dies or there's a loss of income or a home or a business or financial security because of the death of a parent 
or a spouse. The loss of the income or the home or the business would be the secondary loss that's just as important, just as impactful on your life as the death, but it creates that cumulative experience. Yeah, it can compound it, actually, for sure. But secondary grief can also come from a change in identity. This can come from a change in how one defines oneself, as well as certain roles that may be lost as a result of the death. You're no longer a husband, you're a wife or a parent or a sibling or a grandparent. It changes your your status, where you were before and where you are after. True. So here's a concrete example of that. My brother and his family lost their preteen son a number of years ago. It was unexpected. And I remember my sister-in-law talking about losing her identity of being a boy mom because her other children are girls and how that had been unexpected and it hit her really hard. She wasn't really expecting that loss of identity, but it was a real, a very real, very powerful loss for her. Yeah. I mean, I could relate to that too. I had, and I've spoken about it before when you lose your parents, you know, you always, you're at the second level of the family tree and then your parents pass away and then you feel orphaned and you're at the top and you may not be ready for that. You know, then you're the wise one that people come to because you're the oldest or or whatever. So it can definitely have some self-image impact as well. A secondary loss could also be a loss of purpose, like no longer being a caregiver or a parent. Yeah, my other grandmother had remarried after the loss of her husband, my grandfather, and she and her new husband had lived in assisted living, and she cared for him as he became frailer and frailer. And when he died, I think she lost her sense of purpose in life, kind of. She still had her cat to take care of, but it just seems like the void was purpose. Like there was no reason left for her to be around. And you can lose friendships and social networks and family relationships and community and hope and faith and dreams and goals, all related to a loss. And we might grieve a lot of those related things to when the primary loss happens. When we experience divorce, we often lose a whole chunk of family and related activities and traditions related to that loss. You know, holidays, you did certain things with that family, but you're not there anymore. And it's, it's hard. It's sad. Um, We can lose many of our friendships associated with that as well. And also income, identity, physical things that you have to divide up and and lose. I mean, it's, it's certainly impactful and, and hard. Yeah. Divorce is one that a lot of people can relate to. I remember a counselor telling my mandated parenting through divorce classroom, that the grief of a divorce is different from a death because the person is still around and you usually have to interact and deal with them on an ongoing parenting basis. So it continually brings that grief up in a different way than when someone had died. So then finally, I think this is the last one we want to talk about collective grief. Collective grief is felt by a group. For example, this could be experienced by a family or a community. It could be felt by a country as a result of a natural disaster or the death of a public figure or a terrorist attack. I think that there was certainly this reaction when 9-11 happened. Um, in my family, when my nephew died, I think that was a, there's this collective grief in our family about that. Yeah, I agree. Especially 9-11. I remember when it happened, Everybody was like, we need to go somewhere together. We need to be with people. And we gathered at church, you know, and it, just to be with people. 
I mean, also pray for sure, but just to have that collectiveness of we're all going through this together, we're grieving it, but we're we're together and, and have the support. And I think that's another aspect of grief we can talk about at some point, but we do need a support system to help us through it. So you can see that grief is a complicated subject. There are a lot of different types of grief. We all experience grief in different ways. And so wrapping our hands around this topic is very hard. By listing all of these types of grief, we want to expand your understanding of the ways that grief impacts us because understanding can help us prepare a little bit. It's one thing to be theoretical. That list felt a little bit dry, although we had some personal stories in there. But let's add some more examples of ways that grief could show up in midlife in general. Okay. So one is a person who discovers their partner's romantic infidelity or who experiences neglect or manipulation or abuse in a relationship, they might feel emotionally unsafe in that relationship. They should feel emotionally unsafe in that relationship. And they might experience grief over the loss of their safety while they still need to deal with the relationship issues at the same time. Right, I see that. Or maybe a person with a degenerative illness grieves the loss of physical or cognitive abilities. A person experiencing a financial setback or a job loss feels a loss sense of autonomy that they, you know, they, they don't have control anymore of their own destiny and they need to rely on others' help. Yeah. Uh, how about a person will experience grief when their career or family or life doesn't meet their expectations? We get to a point in life and we realize this isn't how it was supposed to go. How did I wind up here? And there's grief associated with that. I'm feeling some of that now. And this is really, really common in midlife. We begin to have this sneaky realization that I'm not where I thought I would be. Either dreams aren't fulfilled or we aren't in a career position that we expected to be in or our family doesn't look like we expected. We all have these expectations. And at some point, we all wind up with this realization about something that didn't come out exactly the way we thought. And so understanding that you're likely to experience grief about that will help you identify what you're experiencing as grief, and then you can deal with it. Right. I agree. It's, identifying is, is very important. And people don't always think of those things as grief. I mean, I always think, like we said, the big, the big grief is loss of life, loss of you know, loved ones and things like that. But if we lose people through death or divorce, there will be dreams that die. Things that you thought you would do, places you had planned to go and experience. and Yeah, those that would be an example of those secondary losses, those dreams or, or plans that you had. Uh, another one would be that as we get older, we have physical changes, right? We can't do the things we used to do. We have weight gain or we can no longer have children or disease happens or... Or we have limitations that we weren't expecting. And that can set off a whole cascade of grief. When children leave home. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. I'm, I've been going through that, a lot of that lately. You know, we, we grieve the loss of the kind of parenting that we had become used to. You know, you're, you're the parent, you're the, the shelter, the safe haven, the, the teacher, the, that type of thing. That, and then as they go out on their own and do the adulting thing, you feel a loss of grief. I felt that recently when uh, my son bought a car on his own. Usually we had bought cars together and I'd helped him with the negotiating skills. And then he just called one day and goes, hey, I got a new car. I'm like, well, wait, <laughs> you didn't call me. You know, I, I felt a little bit of, of grief of, oh. He can do that on his own now, you know? So it's kind of like grieving their childhood being over because they're adults now. 
and that identity that we lived in for so many years of being their parent changes. We can still be there for them and we can still be there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just a change in the role. But we have to realize that we could, it's a loss and we can grieve that. I think that emotion that's coming up for you, that's part of that. I'm not sure that you, not sure, because it's come up recently and they've been, they've been out of the house for a while, but your whole living situation changed. This is one of those cumulative things. They were kind of growing up and leaving the house and you experienced a divorce and then you um, moved out of, out of that community. And there, there were all kinds of things wrapped up in that. And I think some of the things that have happened in the last few weeks and, and that car experience or making them making plans on their own or a couple of the kids going out to look for housing, like all of a sudden you're realizing they're adult and my role has shifted, but I'm not sure you've dealt with the depths of that yeah. yet. So that emotion that's coming up, like that's not surprising and that's normal and it's nothing to apologize for. That's part of experiencing this. Yeah. And it's good. It's good. They're doing good things. And so I should be happy. And you I are am, happy. And I am happy that they're doing it on their own. So I did something right as a parent that they're able to do that on their own without my help. And your role is and no... And I can't speak anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and your role is no less important. It's just changing. And I know that I'm going to have the same thing. Like my son is 16 and when he... In a couple of years when he leaves for college and then when he's really gone after college, I, I am sure that that will be a struggle for me too. Like that's that empty nest thing. And it's one of the major transitions that we experience in midlife. That's a grief. You'll experience grief as part of that. That's okay. So there's nothing wrong with that emotion and that grief. There's a lot more to this subject and how it impacts us in midlife and what we can do to move through those transitions and the grieving, both those hurricane or tornado kind of grief events and the sneaky everyday, yeah, there's just weather outside kind of experiences of grief that seem to be more common in midlife. But we're going to leave those for another episode. So today we wanted to give you the understanding that we experience grief over many, many, many things in everyday life, as well as seasons when we're responding to a major loss. And it's important for us to understand how often it affects us so that we can process the emotions and the reactions in a healthy way. If we don't know that we're grieving over lost opportunities or the death of a dream, we can't process or resolve that grief. Right. But hopefully this episode will get our listeners thinking about the loss in your life. Obviously, you'll not be able to miss those big losses. Like those are so obvious, but sometimes the emotional or intellectual losses or losses simply from aging or life changes are harder to recognize and we don't realize that we're grieving. So we'll talk about what to do with that grief in an upcoming episode, but just for today, begin to recognize that you're likely to be experiencing grief far more often than you think you are and recognizing it is really important. Right. As in so many things, awareness is the first step, is the key to understanding what's going on. And then you can start processing and dealing with it and overcoming it. Today's episode is brought to you by the Morning Moments Matters box, which is a super simple way to take the time you used brewing your morning coffee and turning it into a ritual that will start your day in a positive way and a positive frame of mind. 
great coffee and a ritual that engages your body, mind, and heart. And you can check that out at connectovercoffee.link backslash MMM. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. If today's episode helped you, think of someone right now who might also benefit from this conversation about grief and share the show with them. Until next time, stay caffeinated, y'all. Gotta get yourself psyched and ready to go. I bet that let them. Well, I won't do that during the show. I would appreciate that. It's a good thing I didn't have my headphones on. You'd be deafening. Definitely to be deafened. Yeah, just like a eight-hour cicada exposure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 80 decibels. Okie dokie, Smokey. No, okie dokie, artichokey. (laughs) Where's that from? My childhood? Barney? (laughs) My childhood? I don't know. I'm ready when you are. Well, you start. Oh, are we recording? (laughs) Yes, I've been recording. (laughs) All right. Midlife Realigned, Episode 4. Take Take one. one. Do I say hello first? (laughs) (laughs) Or do I just jump in? You can do whatever you want. I can't remember what we did last time. It doesn't matter. It could be a little bit different. Hey, all you gremlins. Maybe maybe not that different. (laughs)